Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. It is Tuesday, March 27th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his super-secret location here in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hello, Paul. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm good. Um, I didn't profess, so very, very busy. Um, mm-hmm. I just came off a screening, actually. I just got home. Yeah. Uh, word on the street is we have a new <laughs> chief executive. Yes, Mr. C.Y. Lung. C.Y. Lung. Um, I, I mean, what do you feel about this? Did you go out and participate in any of the, uh, in any of the uh, mock voting or any of the protesting that went on? Yeah, I, I, I participated in, in the uh, Hong Kong University pop, um, the, the pop vote, the mock voting. Um, <clears throat> I will admit that I cast a blank vote because I didn't want any of those three to get elected. Uh, sadly, it did not happen. So, which means Sunday morning... I was out at convention center. I was not pepper sprayed, thank, thank, thankfully. Mm. But yes, I, I did stand kind of in the back, but I did watch some of the protests, and I was there for about 45 minutes to an hour before leaving. Yeah. So, so I mean, this is pretty big news. We're not going to really cover it here, but uh, there was an election, although there is no real democracy. It was a, It's sort of an oligarchy, I guess you'd call it. You know, you have a handful of elites who get to choose the the next uh, chief executive. And we've talked about some of the issues running up to the event, you know, the issues of sur- um, surrounding Henry Tang and some of the others. So now we have a, a new CE and uh, let the brain drain begin. And Where, of course, a week and a half before the election, word got out that he's probably an underground communist party member. Woo-hoo. So, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of, now I kind of like the guy who has the, you know, as opposed to the underground party member, he has the underground wine cellar. Mm. I like him a little more now uh, than, than the underground <laughs> party member. But, of course, he didn't get elected. So um looks like it's the, it's the what we Hong Kongers now call the heir of the wolf. Yeah. Because uh, C.Y. Learn uh, has been called that he looks like a wolf and kind of acts like a wolf in a way that... Wolf in sheep's clothing, apparently. Yes, right. essentially. So uh, a little worried about... I mean, the first, co- first couple of years, I don't, I'm not worried about anything because, you know, he's, it's the honeymoon period and he's not going to try anything but a couple of years in um <clears throat> we might have to start watching what we say yeah yeah you know uh well we'll just have to see how things develop between now and then who knows maybe we'll be uh heading north <laughs> no I, I am heading i am heading to the streets come july 1st That's heading to I'm the doing. streets yeah there's there's talk of a big protest but um you know what i'm waiting for i'm waiting for the herman yao film about cy lung Hmm. Uh, that will make it all good, all better, all go away, right? Because Herman Her- Herman Yao always makes us feel good. Hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about Herman y- Yao today because this is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. Um, before we get into news, though, what things are we going to be talking about this week, Kevin? Uh, Paul, for East Screen, um, Paul will be talking about Love Lifting, the new Herman Yao film, and also The Second Woman, 
uh, which is star which stars Shu Chi, who we'll also be talking about in a little bit. Um, for West Screen, I will be talking about Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and mm. I can see uh, Kenneth is already a little excited. Yeah, um, you know, a couple people chimed in about Si uh, Wai Lung. Uh, Bill Murray had had this to say. Oh my gosh, does that suck? Yeah, and of course Michael Wong. <laughs> Uh, to amuse me. There, there, there you have it, straight from several uh, top actors, both in the United States and here in Hong Kong. Um, so yeah, let's get into some news, shall we? Yep. All right, so we've got quite a bit of news to kind of cover this week. Uh, first up, Kevin, Hong Kong International Film Festival, you're in the thick of it. How's it going? Um, it's good. I mean, I've only skipped three movies. So uh, I, this is, I, I am coming out ahead, apparently. Uh, seen some good films, many Asian films. Essentially, all the, the other three films I skipped are kind of Western films. So I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not kicking myself in the, in the head or anything. Um, but, <clears throat> or kicking myself in the foot, sorry. Um, <laughs> the, I've catch, caught a couple of good films so far. Robo G, uh, a comedy about uh, three guys who are trying to build a robot, but ends up getting an old guy to take his place. Uh, it's quite funny. Uh, it's from the director of Waterboys and Swing Girls. I'm not sure you guys heard of it. The director was there and some really good questions. Um, actually, you might be you'll be interested to in notice, Paul. This director is very is, is known for doing lots of research mm. on his film. So for Happy Flight, a movie about airport, he did two years of research at an airport. <clears throat> so for RoboG, a movie about robotics, he did a year's years worth of research on robotics. So the blueprint in the film, the blueprint for a robot in the film you can actually build a real robot hmm. out of the blueprint in the film. So it's, it's a very, even though the film doesn't, doesn't reflect that kind of scientific knowledge, but it's a very interesting, um, funny film and uh, interesting director. Uh, also, a beautiful 2012, an omnibus movie uh, produced by Chinese uh, video streaming site, Yuku, which had just uh, swallowed up Tudo, their main competitor. Um, the four films are by, let's see, one by a Korean director, the one who did Late Autumn, the film's, Tanway. Um that one's okay. Um <clears throat> Taiwanese director Timing Now, I think it's Malaysian or Philippine. Anyway, uh Timing Now who did um uh, Viva Lamora and uh, and um and uh, what time is it over there? He does he did a, a very yeah, uh, do slow goodbye dragon in. Yes, that one as well. Did a very uh, methodical uh essentially it's coherent but intolerable short film about um about walking currently. Yeah, very boring. Uh but you know I, I got. I understood it at least. Uh, Gu Changwei, the director of Love for Life, did this 15-20 minute impressionist short that made no sense. And Hui though had actually the strongest segment about um, about uh, Francis Ng as a as a transvestite who wants to have a sex change and essentially is dealing with discrimination from his wife and society. It's it's that one's actually the best one out of the four. Uh, but the movie, the whole thing as a as the the whole thing actually doesn't really work that well. I also saw Side by Side. A documentary about um, the the advance um, about digital filmmaking. Um, I you know for people who who are interested in the topic but don't know much, it's great because it's about the evolution of how digital cameras uh, have become has become the norm in filmmaking. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else. Sunday I watched a indie, independent Japanese film called Saudad. Uh, actually, that that is Portuguese. It's about um, the friction between Japanese grassroots, like Japanese uh, blue-collar workers and and immigrants, uh, mainly Brazilians, in in, in a Japanese town. Um, today, of course, I just came out of uh, Bulgaria, 
the latest um, film from Pang Chan, which is a really foul mouth uh, comedy, crude comedy about filmmaking. Uh, he 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 himself called it kind of a companion piece to to AV. Uh, very funny, even though it's really just all giggles because it's really about how much you can giggle, how much. Japanese cuts word, uh, how much Cantonese cuss words you can fit into a movie, and how funny it get, and when does it get not funny? So that in that in that sense, it is kind of interesting, and I did have a really good time with it. So uh, that comes out in July, so you can catch it then, Paul. Uh, yesterday, I caught a Japanese movie called Scabbard Samurai from the director of Symbol, uh, who is also the director is also a comedian, uh, Matsumoto Hitoshi. Um, it's essentially is about making comedy. And but but without getting really meta because it's it's disguised as this uh, story about samurai trying to trying to um, uh, live through this um, thirty day punishment where he has to um, find a way to make uh, prince young prince laugh and he has one chance a day for thirty days so mm-hmm. it's about making comedy improvising comedy and it's it's actually very funny and also kind of touching so uh, th- those are the films I've seen so far and and there's a lot more to come because. There's only the the first full week of the festival, and there's at least one week to go. Mm. Uh, I want to ask you because you tweeted about a film that kind of had me a little bit intrigued, and I did some digging on the internet about it afterwards uh, from Korea called Silenced. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, it's not playing the festival. Oh, that's um, not in the festival. It's not in the festival. I just borrowed a DVD from work. Oh, okay. It is getting. A, actually, I am really surprised because it's getting a, a theatrical release here in Hong Kong in April, mid-April. Um, but this film, it's about. Um, it's based on a true story about um, abuse going on uh, that was happening at a at a, at a at a school for the deaf, and um, essentially these, these the people who were charged of the eight people who were essentially charged with no of the eight people who perpetrated the crimes, only four of them were charged, and essentially two of them, two of those people, bought their way out, and the other two that were convicted and couldn't buy their way out served very very light sentence. And um, so, the, so the whole case got out in 2007 or 2009 of a book, of a novel, a novel that kind of tells a fictional, fictionalized um, version of the story. Uh, but the truth remained that these people didn't get the justice they deserved or the justice that they, they should have gotten, the punishment they should have gotten. So this film came out in 2011 called Silenced and essentially told the, the, the story in the book, which is, you know, a disguise, a fictionalized version of this real story. And it outraged people so much that the school was was eventually cut uh, shut down two months after the film's released. Um, a new law was passed uh, to make it to make it uh, harder for sex offenders or these offenders to get out of punishment, and, and and many other things. It was it was actually quite caused quite a stir in Korea. It's a great film actually. It's a great film. It's really um, it, it it will anger you, and if it doesn't anger you, you don't either don't have a soul. Or you're a child molester, so mm-hmm. I don't want to know you anyway. <laughs> but many, but yeah. many of the comments and, and reviews that I kind of glanced over as I was doing some follow basically said it's a great movie, but it's one of those movies that you watch once and you never want to see again. It is very, very tough to sift through because um, they don't shy. They don't shy away from the abuses. Essentially, they yeah. they show. And you I think you, as, if as I remember your tweet, you basically said you were you weren't sure you you were interested in how they filmed it without yes. um, basically causing some kind of mental anguish or harm to the kids, right? Yes, essentially, if you, if you, if you go film school about it if you, and you analyze shot by shot, you kind of know how they did it, how they did it without traumatizing the kids. But there is this one, at least one or two shots where you're like, wow. Mm. But yeah, it is, it is um, they, like I said, they don't shy away from showing the abuse. They go as far as they can go without, you know, 
being explicit with it. So it um it is a very traumatizing movie and and it's not only those stuff, it's really how they play the story because you know how the story goes if you know a true story and seeing it play out really angers you, gets you worked up and you can see easily why Koreans why it caused a stir in Korean society when the film came out. But I do have one question. Mm-hmm. Did at any point in the film they um, take uh, you know jump starter cables, hook it up to a car, and try and jump start a baby's heart? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that from is it from pro- babe, babe, Robbie Hood? Robbie Hood, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 still to this day, <laughs> the most abusive scene I've ever seen. <laughs> That is just wrong. I didn't even watch that, but I've heard about it. But yeah. Oh, you that, haven't seen Robbie Hood? I never saw up to that part. Oh my gosh! So long, I just it's, could never finish. Yeah, it. I, I mean, my jaw hit the floor, and when I was watching, I know it's a comedy and everything, but I mean, come on, just the concept—it's just so ridiculous. Well, I mean, you know, the, the scene. If we want to bring it back to Hong Kong cinema, you know, the scene in Fatal Termination where they—they they, and I've been shown this by our friend um, Sean Tierney. Hanging the kid out by the side of a car, dragging her by the hair. Yeah, yeah, the, you know, yeah. Car, that that is just messed. That is just messed up. But of course, this is Silence, is a much more serious movie and a much better movie. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, it comes out in Hong Kong mid mid April, and it's out on Korean version DVD. Coming out on Blu-ray, um, actually, yeah, I think mid April as well. So, um, it's a very very tough movie to watch, but very very good. Mm. Um, especially especially you can connect it in a way to to of course other social injustices, not just about the kids hmm. all right uh let's talk a little bit about the ending finally after several weeks of discussion of the love hong kong film top 80s poll uh this has finally come to a close uh boss kozo has posted up the remaining top 10 uh, of the 80s as listed by the poll um so why don't we talk about uh, a few of them any any surprises any thoughts um all right, well, should we just uh, should we just talk about? Would you just say all ten movies? Well, sure. Yes. Yeah. Why don't okay. Why don't you? Uh, do you have Do you have the list with you, or do you want me to run yeah, them down? Yeah, I have it right here. Yeah. Um. Okay. So ten number ten is Wong Kar Wai's As Tears Go By, which is natural choice because it's the only Wong Kar Wai film in the eighties. Um. Number nine is City on Fire by Ringo Lam. Number eight is An Autumn's Tale by Bebo Chun. Uh. Number seven is God of Gamblers. Number six is Project A. Uh. Number Five. Give me a second here. Okay. Number five is Picking Up the Blues. Uh, number four is A Chinese Ghost Story. Number three is Police Story. Number two dun, 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 is The Killer. And uh, number one with a bullet is uh, A Simple Life. I mean, uh, no. I mean, <laughs> A Better Tomorrow. A Better Tomorrow. I mean, Inferno Affairs. Yeah. Yes, we all know it's Inferno Affairs. Um, so, okay. Um, number one is A Better Tomorrow. So, okay. Um thoughts uh paul your your picks i remember your picks last week yeah well uh let's see uh for you had, uh, a chinese chinese ghost story is number one that right? was my number one came in at number four mm-hmm. uh god of gamblers was my number two came in at number seven and i already talked about uh, zoo warriors from the magic mountain which was my number three came in at number 14 family light affair my number four didn't show up at the list at all uh <laughs> i guess people don't really like that and uh Number, my number five was Happy Ghost, which was number 55 on the list. So, um, yeah, I mean, a, a couple of surprises. Uh, City on really? Fire, I didn't think would get as high as it did. Uh, and I, I think City on Fire is... Um, actually, I, I only saw City on Fire last year. Yeah. So, And I've been kind of 
already like baptized in the undercover genre for so long that when it when I saw it, it's just like oh, it's good, but you know. Yeah. Uh, Peking Opera Blues was happy to see that at number five. Yep. Um, I was I think that was my closest one. I had that at. Uh, what well, Chinese Ghost Story is number four. Number yeah, but I had I had Peking Opera at number seven, which means I was only two away. Mm. And Chinese Ghost Story is my number one, so that was three away. Um, so in terms of closeness to the to the, what the actual results were, um, Peking Opera Blues was a little bit closer for me than Chinese Ghost Story. Um, but I really thought I, I mentioned this last week. I really thought that a Chinese Ghost Story was going to come in, um, you know, a bit higher than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm I I mentioned. Uh, Last time, I think it was Hong Kong Dave had said that, you know, he doesn't feel that uh, Better Tomorrow has aged all that well, and I do kind of agree, but, you know. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't because, yeah. I guess uh, a lot of people still see that as uh, the pinnacle 80s movie. And, you know, it's understandable. I mean, it's got three of the biggest stars of the era, right? Uh, Dick mm-hmm. Long, Leslie Chung, and Chow Yun-Fat. Actually, I, I, I personally think it's still one of the best Hong Kong films ever made. And yeah. and and actually a lot of it, I think I mentioned this last week, a lot of it did did influ a lot of it came from a screening I went to last year when when I saw it and at the big screen and seeing how people still react to the film. It, it to me that that's like okay, this movie really has a lot of fans who still love it, who still who still travel with it, who still, you know, go with it. Even though they may have seen it ten thousand times, and that tells me when a film is really working. And personally, I of course this movie would it gets me worked up. Not 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 it didn't get me you no know, bawling or anything, but it gets me worked up. I think mm. it still works. Um, I I was one of fourteen people who gave it first place. Um, Matt did point out something interesting that yes, the killer did have more twenty two, did have more first place votes than a bear tomorrow, which means that people. I think A Bear Tomorrow generally had more love and placed higher on people's lists than The Killer, which have a lot of real love, but people casual or people who gave it didn't give it first place did not give it very high score. Yeah. Which is interesting because it means that it has a lot of really big fans, but it doesn't have, you know, how do I say, many of it or passionate fans. Um, Police Story. Of course, the top five, I totally expected it. I mean, those five movies have not shown up yet, and it was about time for those. It was a matter of, you know, putting them in the right place. And I personally bet A Better Tomorrow because they work better emotionally. Um, I am surprised that as tears go, goes, goes by, um, uh, ranked as high as it did. I think a lot of it had more to do with Wong Kai Wai fans than the movie itself. Hmm. Because I, I personally, I'm okay with as tears goes go by, but it's nowhere near the height of what... One car will later do. It's a, it's fine. It's a fine commercial triad film. You know, mm. it's easily top fifty maybe. But personally, I don't think it's it's the f- people putting it on top ten did not judge it by by the film itself. Much like Mismatch Couples, actually. Yeah. You know, if Donnie was not a big star, it's not a big star now. I think Mismatch Couples would just be another forgettable breakdancing movie. But then again, what what breakdancing movie is forgettable? Yeah. Right. Well, I, it was it was a it was a really good poll. I was I I sent a message to Ross saying that. You know, thanking him for doing it, and you know, because it is a lot of work to get it organized and and to get it compiled, and it was really great just to see, you know, people talking about these films. Yes. Um, especially in, in some of the comments sections. You know, I jumped in a few of the sections and tried to comment. I, I saw you, you you did as well. It, that's really exciting for me personally when I see you know people just excited about Hong Kong cinema, even old Hong Kong cinema. I mean, we could 
debate the merits of of you know post handover films versus this this golden era as it were um till we're blue in the face but just talking of getting you know talking about it in general people who have sort of positive vibes makes me excited makes me feel good yeah i agree uh, it, it's more i'm more i'm more happy seeing responses than the actual list i mean the actual list you know it's fine it is people's opinion so you know you can't always you know have your opinion, your own opinions justified. But yeah, like you said, it's great to have people talking talking about it and for so long. And um, this is actually setting up to be really good, um, um, how to say, really good preview for what Kozo has in store for the summer, which is the best Hong Kong films of all time, Po. <laughs> um, and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be, um, I hate to use the word wrongly, is essentially, but it's going to be epic. Yeah. Epic win for Infernal Affairs. Yeah. Or, or mismatched couples. <laughs> or a simple life. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you know, Ken points out in the chat room, he says, um, you know, good spirits in the comments. And he says, bleep haters, um, hmm. which is great. But right now we're going to talk about some negative comments, right? A uh, little bit of a Weibo spat. Now, if you don't know what Weibo is, Weibo is sort of the Chinese version of Twitter. And uh, I, I sort of catch, I don't follow Weibo. I probably should. Uh, I, I should probably work on my Chinese a little bit more and, and, and get over there. I, I believe I heard Paris Hilton is there now. So yes, uh, yes that's a big is. deal. But um, Samuel Jackson is there. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, you know, talking about snakes on a plane, right? <laughs> um, in Chinese. <laughs> uh, How about the mofos, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but so I, I caught this based on uh, some conversations you were having on Twitter about what was going on in Weibo. So apparently there's a little bit of a tiff between Donnie and Vincent Zhao and Xu Qi's involved and she had to leave Twitter or leave Weibo and then Wang Jing deleted some comments or something. I mean, give us the breakdown. Give us the scoop. Give us the dirt, if you will. Oh, okay. This is going to be a long story. I, I did I did, um, I did essentially report much the earlier stuff in my blog so I'll give you a kind of a more simple side of it essentially Vincent Zhao and Donnie Yen are supposed to work on this movie that's tentatively called Special Identity um, however Vincent Zhao actually signed on to the project before it was named Special Identity under another director so when uh, when Donnie got aboard came aboard on board as producer and star um, director was changed script was changed and Vincent was not very happy because it's essentially supposed to be um, a buddy action movie uh and, and Vincent and Donnie supposed to be co-leads. But what happened was that Donnie came on board, um, script was changed, um, and, and, and essentially it, 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 it lessened Vincent's role. And Vincent was not happy because um, on Vincent's contract, and the depends on whose side you talk to, Vincent for, either forced a clause in his contract stating that he must approve every script change or, or essentially it was part of the deal that got Vincent to sign on. Whatever, but um, Vincent put up a fight, and he was essentially fired from production. Um, the production said that it was an amicable uh, parting, but Vincent Zhao um, said it was not. So there, um, of course, Vincent Zhao started war, war of words, uh, press releases, uh, talking about he's a scapegoat because the film, because uh, Donnie was a prima donna, and 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 made the film go for budget, and essentially Vincent was a scapegoat. Meanwhile, the production said. Vincent was the, was the prima donna. He he demanded you know <clears throat> expensive hotel rooms and he had a huge posse, and that he he cost the, the production go over budget and he was very unfriendly to, uh, especially towards the script changes and and unwilling to to cooperate. 
so that starts. So the the fans started showing up. Of course, um, Vincent Zhao fans went to knock Donnie Donnie on on, on Weibo, while Donnie fans went to Vincent Zhao's Weibo to knock Vincent. Um, and and as Weibo is a, essentially a, a place for stars to kiss ass each other, um, stars began to take sides. Um, some of them. Uh, so on Vincent's side, you have the Yuan Yuan Biao Yuan Hua. Um, the great Wu, his co-stars um, from the upcoming film Great Wudan, which includes Xu Zhao from Starry Starry Night, Minnie Yang, um, as well as director Patrick Leung. But of course, Donnie being Donnie, he has uh, bigger friends. So that included um, uh, Xu Qi, uh, Chan Mento, Lian Lai, um, and I think uh, also Wang Jing. Wang Jing actually said he was the, actually the, the, the most explicit one out of them. He said that he knows Vincent for 20 years and he knows what kind of person he is, so he knows that Donnie is innocent. So that the, the fans spilled over to these supporters' blog, uh, Weibo's. And for, for supporting Donnie, Vincent, quote-unquote Vincent fans started attacking Shuchi's blog, uh, Weibo, uh, and, and essentially one of them posted a nude photo. Oh, Shuchi from one of her earlier roles when she was still uh, an actress in the Category 3 films. So that upset Shuchi so much that she deleted all her posts and essentially withdrew from Weibo. And um, same thing happened. similar thing happened to Wang Jing. Essentially, he deleted seven months' worth of Weibo posts or micro-blog posts, um, even though he said that he knows who the... the, the, the um, who was the word? He knows who the, pup, the puppet master is, who is driving this attack. So that is... Um, essentially the the gist of it um the battle is not over donnie said he retains rights to to um sue uh sue um sue vincent for libel because uh he, he's taken it so far so it's still a developing situation and i would like to see um which wh- who is the next casualty of this donnie Vin- donnie and Vinny war hmm. yeah now one of the things i asked my wife and she didn't really get this sense from the article um, that that she was reading uh, and explaining to me, has this taken on a sort of a, a Hong Kong versus mainland China angle at all? Not at all. No, not at all. Because um, essentially two stars and and yeah, it's just really a star versus star battle because you know many of the netizens are all from mainland. Yeah, so but I mean, because because no... when you look at some of the sides, I mean, Wang Jing, Chapman To, um, Xu Qi, you know, Taiwan, Hong Kong. Uh, all sort of in Donnie's camp, and and then Minnie Yang and and some of the others in Vincent's camp. They're all mainland actors, actresses, right? Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a circumstantial thing because Vincent does work in more mainland films, and Donnie has worked with bigger casts. Um, no, essentially, it is essentially you know think of think of you know like like when 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 twins fans go after like Joey Young fans or mm. you know those those kind of battles. It's nothing like uh there's no um regional disparity here because what well, the film was shot in China and, so there's, and there's Donnie, nobody out Donnie's there going very, Hong yeah, Kong Donnie's actors are dogs. Hong Kong actors are dogs. Nothing like that because Donnie's very nationalist mm. uh in a way that you know he did the he he, he himself said he's very nationalist. He's very patriotic. So um there is no he never really asserted a Hong Kong identity. Or himself as a Hong Kong actor, so especially since he played, he played it, man. So no, I don't think there's any regional problems here. Even though I haven't read the cesspool that is, you know, Weibo comments, so I have no idea what 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 kind of <laughs> good, good luck, you know, working your way through that mire. Yes, I there's no way I'm gonna start. I just it would just infuriate me. So um, I prefer to kind of stay out of it and just read the reports. Um, but essentially, Sina is because Sina Weibo is where this is happening. Um, Sina is. 
stepping in, kind of. They're they're trying to tell to, to discourage people from trading more insults and 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 essentially verbal violence, which is what they're saying. So they are kind of stepping in to to try and curb some of this stuff. But um, I would like to. It's still a development situation, essentially. So I'd like to see what what happens next. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, well, you know, speaking of what would you call it, Twitter wars or flame wars or, um, you know, uh, uh, new media or social media attacks, uh, a little bit going over our, a little bit of the same kind of idea going over back on the West screen side of things, um, mm-hmm. regarding the Hunger Games. Um, now, uh-huh. I first came across this story from um, uh, some friends of mine on their podcast talking about this, and I haven't really been following the Hunger Games all that much. I mean, it's probably newsworthy. We should mention that it has broken quite a few records in opening weekend. Uh, I think it's got the, it's got like the number one opening or for some category. Non-sequel, um, I think. It yeah. Is. Um, yeah. So it, it's, the, yeah. it's doing really, really well, um, which may prompt me to get out off my tukas and, and go and watch it, even though I'm still kind of hesitant to do so. Um, but apparently there's a couple of characters in the film uh, that are played by uh, two, you know, two young African-American um, actors and actresses. Um, so th- th- this article comes from MSN. It says actors Amandala Stenberg and Dio Okinii um, definitely hit it big when they landed the roles of Rue and Thresh, respectively, in The Hunger Games. Now, as I understand, in the book, the, the characters that they play are described as having dark brown skin. Um, but when some fans found out that, uh, these were African-American actors who were going to play these roles, they became irate. Um, uh, and, and they've got some of the comments from Twitter listed here. It says, why does Rue have to be black? Not going to lie, kind of ruined the movie. Um, another one says, why did uh, the producer make all the good characters black? Why is Rue a little black girl? Stick to the book, dude. Um, you know, I mean... if I'm reading a book and it says dark brown skin, that's kind of, you know, open dark. territory, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, <Yeah>, dark. <laughs> you know, a, a one, it says uh, something of a spoiler tweet. Another fan admitted he was a racist when he learned of, um, tr- of uh, tragic ruse racial identity. Another tweeter even uttered the N word in decrying adorable African American ag- actress, uh, Amanda, Amand, Amand. How do you say her name? Amandla? Amandia? Stenberg's race. Um, another one says, I'm still pissed that Rue is black. I mean... Why? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of unfathomable in this day and age. But I think this is the nature of social media. Um, especially this, on this, anonymous yeah, social media, right? It's like mean, people getting angry, like getting real, real, you know, um, taller people to play hobbits or something. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> like, my, my friends Jay and Renee Valentine, we interviewed them here on the show, they were saying... Did did the people forget the book? They're described as having dark brown skin. You know yeah. what? What do you expect? Uh, it's not like these guys are, you know, they're they're um, Jijman Hinsu. You know who's you know who's like super ebony in, in in his color. But it shouldn't matter regardless. You know, um, I know we've touched on this idea before. There was some controversy when they were talking about doing a black uh, actor for Peter Parker. Um, you know, another person raised a point, I think it was on Twitter, saying Samuel L. Jackson is, uh, you know, the role he's playing in Avengers was originally white. Who cares, you know? Right. Um, so, 
Yeah, Nick Fury. Nick Fury, that character's name. Originally, in the comics, originally was a, what was a white dude. Um, but I think that, you know, Samuel L. Jackson kicks butt and takes names. And people exactly. people love him. So, you know, he's you folks pimpest, out there. He's the pimpest Jedi in the, in the, in the Je- Star Wars. Uh, that's true. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, it's just discouraging to see stuff like that. Yeah. I blame the internets. Um, all right, some other news. Uh, a little bit of, a little bit of fan-based news for me, uh, coming from our favorite news site, Filmbiz Asia. Uh, that is, uh, Kara Hoy and Colin Cho are going to be heading a cast called Nuptials of the Dead, a supernatural horror film that will be filmed this August by U.S.-based writer-director Maya Lim. Uh, this article coming from Patrick Freider, Freider on Tuesday, March 20th. Uh, so it's a little bit old, um, but just the fact that it has uh, Cara Hoy sort of in a leading role uh, caught my attention. Um, it says it's a Chinese language feature is an expansion of a, of a short that Lim previously wrote and directed about ancient Chinese practice of ghost marriages. Kind of reminds me of a Darkness Bride, a mainland Chinese film, which I think is like uh, a girl supposed to marry like a, a dead son or something like that. Um, maybe I have that confused with another movie. Um, but there's a, there's a mainland Chinese movie about that. Um, this is the story focuses on a young woman who searches for a ghost mate for her own dead daughter's spirit only to have a curse placed on them. Um, so Supernatural sounds like it's not going to be friendly to the North, right? I mean, they still have that restriction in place. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think, it didn't sound like it's going to have that. Where it's yeah, it's more like going to be one of those crossing, very much a fest movie that that was sell abroad. It has a very genre idea. No, I don't think we have to worry about China here. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, final bit of news this week: uh, Terracotta Film Festival is getting a bit of a change. Uh, this article coming from Monday, March twenty sixth, also from Patrick Freider on uh, Film Biz Asia says the UK's Terracotta Far East Film Festival has shifted from May to April. Uh, it'll be held from the 12th to the 15th of April and has set the Korean War epic My Way as its opening event at London's Prince Charles Cinema, and it will close with Japan's uh, Himizu. Uh, goes on to list quite a few other things. Looks like they've got a pretty, pretty interesting selection. Uh, novelties this year include Terracotta Strand in association with Fright Fest, which will include Zombie 108. <clears throat> and Actually, it's um, it's a little strange. The, the the dates are a little strange for me because that puts it right before Unne Far East Film Festival, hmm. which I think is kind of their their main competitor because it's around the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what what they're. Of course, neither neither of the films they're playing there are are playing at at Unne, as far as I know, at least as far as what I know about what's been what's been announced. But yeah, it's a very interesting shift that they're doing here, mm-hmm. putting themselves ahead of Unne. So they're gonna have. Uh... Danny Pang's fairy tale killer. Yeah, um, they have acquired the rights, but they haven't announced what if they'll be showing it right. Hmm. Interesting. But of course, that makes it more likely they'll show it. Um, and uh, they also picked up Enemy of Dead End, which is kind of an older film from 2010. It's a it's a fine film. It's an interesting film. It's about two guys, two enemies, essentially lifelong enemies who are trapped in the in the hospital room. Mm. One doesn't remember that the other hates him, but of course the other guy just wants to spend the entire movie trying to kill him. But it's, it's quite an amusing film. Um, but yeah, kind of old film. I'm, I'm wondering why they picked it up so late. Hmm. Yeah. Well, good luck on them with their move. Uh, I would love to get out there, but then again, I can't even attend the Hong Kong International Film Festival, <laughs> so how am I going to make it to Terracotta? Yeah. Personally, I'm siding with Udine because I have my biases. 
Right, so we have two East screen films to focus on this week, and Kevin has seen neither of them because he's been a lazy guy. Hey, um, I saw a movie early. <laughs> I saw Love and the Buff. So. I'm just teasing. Actually, he's been quite All busy, right. but I did manage to get out and see these two local releases. The first one up from director Herman Yao is the film called Love Lifting. Um, now, this tells the story of uh, a young girl named Lili, played by Elaine Kwong, um, who I believe we last saw in... Child's Eye? Not sure. It's been, I think it might go as far as back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but she plays a young girl who's got the nickname Dilek Moy, or Strong Girl, basically, uh, who's a former uh, powerlifter uh, you know, for ladies powerlifting. She was trying to get on the national team until she was uh, basically has an instant and passes out because she finds out she's got uh, 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 diabetes. And so that hinders her ability to perform uh, the, the strenuous uh, the strenuous exercises. So she takes up odd jobs, basically helping movers and, and moving heavy objects in um, the, the village areas in which she lives. And then one day she meets a young fellow named Shek Yong, who's played by Chapman To, um, a recent divorcee whose business has failed and he's moved into the building next door. Um, and the two of them seem to have a good rapport they hit it off and um, before you know it their relationship buds and uh, as they go forward with their relationship he finds out more about her and about her history and he tries to encourage her to get back to pursuing her dream to you know go back into competition and compete um as as a power lifter um what can we say about this film herman yao continues to surprise me um, never would I have thought I would buy Elaine in this role. When I first saw the trailer, I, it, it looks laughable. Um, a friend of mine on Twitter said the trailer actually looks like an SNL skit. And in some ways it kind of does because the trailer shows you basically every major plot point that you're going to encounter in the film. So there are no real surprises. Um, but somehow, and I attribute this to Herman Yao's direction, he just goes ahead with it anyway. So I, I knew exactly what was coming uh, because I saw the trailer. And it didn't really matter because I was so caught up in the chemistry between Chapman and Elaine and their characters and their relationship. And I really didn't expect that. I really didn't think that they would match together as well as they did. Mm. Um, so for for me, their performances really kind of saved the film, if the film has a saving grace. Um and especially Elaine, um, she really pulls off this role well. Yes, she's wearing kind of a, a padded suit, you know, to make her look bulkier than she actually is. But that kind of disappears after a while. You, you don't take notice of it. And you believe that, yes, this is a girl who, you know, at one time was doing powerlifting and, and, you know, could possibly do it again. Now, when you see her on, on stage, the illusion's kind of broken. Because you'll you'll see actual powerlifter girls, and you'll see that her physique and their physique, you know, it's it's kind of like night and day. So there are moments where where that kind of goes away. But for the most part, when she's just dealing with Chapman and it's focusing on their relationship, um, and and even focusing on a little bit of her history, you you don't really get that sense. It's not unbelievable um, what she's trying to sell, and she sells it very very well. 
Um, and I really enjoyed the little touches. I mean, Herman Yao, as we've said before in other films, he brings details and little touches and local flavor to his films. He's got bits of history in here, um, and, and he's got aspects to the relationship that I found really, really enjoyable. Um, and I wish there would have been more focus on this area, because by the end, what ultimately happens is it ends up going to sort of a Rocky-style ending. And that still kind of works in some ways. Um, because of the way the film starts out with the narrative, you kind of expect everything that's coming, especially, as I mentioned, if you've seen the trailer, there are no surprises. But it's really sort of an interesting journey following along um, where this is going. Now, that's not to say this is a perfect film. Far from it. Uh, there are lots of areas that could be criticized. There are things that pop up that never really get resolved. There are incidents and issues that seem to be going on in the background. There are, you know, there's the introduction of family members who kind of come in and, and save the day at a certain point. And you could probably use more backstory uh, on some of these areas. But one of the things that I liked about this film is because it feels natural. You know, not every plot point gets resolved in life. Um, not everything is immediately clarified or immediately understood. So maybe that's why I felt this film felt really, really natural. Um, I really enjoyed it, uh, it, probably because I had very low expectations going in. And so I came out lock, liking it a lot better. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's got some nice scenery in, in, in a couple places, but it's not overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly beautiful cinematography. Um, but what it, what we are shown, this sort of little village, seaside village that they live in is, is very, very nice. Um, and it contributes well. And the relationship of the family as they grow together is, is a nice thing to see. Um, and again, if they would have given me more of that, I would have been much happier and, and a little bit less of sort of the, the, the competitive aspect towards the end. Um, but I'd say if you're a Herman Yao fan at all, if you like the style of things that he does, uh, the way that he focuses on characters, I mean, I'm thinking more along the lines of Woman Night of Mirror Lake or some of the details and the nice touches in something like um, Split Second Murders, then I think you'll enjoy this film, and I'd say it's definitely, um, definitely a see-it. Um, if not, if you're not somebody who really likes sort of the, what would you call it, the guerrilla approach to filmmaking that sometimes Herman Yao seems to demonstrate in, in some of his, uh, his techniques, uh, you might want to wait and TV this, uh, when you have one, you know, what's on a, on a TV channel or something. Um, but oh, yeah, Paul, I really, you, really um, enjoyed it. Did you watch, uh, Herbal Tea? Yes, I did. Loved herbal tea. Yes. So is this this more like more like on the on the level of herbal tea than say yes. Turning Point Two, right? Yes, definitely. Oh no, and that's another thing. This is just um, it's such a step up from Turning Point Two, because this is in no way a commercial, you know, drive by TVB or anything else like that. It, it I, I'd say I still like herbal tea a little bit more than this one. Um, but it's right there. It's 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 in that same kind of ballpark for me. Wow. Um, you you kind of, I, I just enjoyed it. And, and again, I think that it, part of it was because my expectations were so low after seeing that trailer. It's a terrible, terrible trailer. I don't know why they, I think they could have taken a totally different approach with it and, and still conveyed the sense of what the movie was going to be about. Um, but yeah, I'd say see it. Definitely, it's good. If it's if you say it's more like herbal tea, then yeah, I'm definitely in. Yeah. 
Next e-screen film for this week, The Second Woman. Now, I kind of went into this movie blind. <clears throat> I knew it was out there. I was like, well, there's another local film out there, and, I'm, uh, and I want to try and get out and watch it. It's got Shu Chi and Sean Yu, and that's all I knew about it. I knew nothing else. I hadn't seen the trailer. And so, boy, was I in for a bumpy ride. Um, <laughs> this is basically a story um, that centers around a, a very famous sort of Chinese literary piece that's been quite often used in Cantonese opera. Um, and that that is, if I have the name correct, it's called The Reincarnation of Lady Plum Blossom, um, which basically that tells the story of, you know, like many of these ancient Chinese stories, it's a young scholar and it's about love. He meets this, he meets this woman who's attracted to him, but she's already married. And then later he meets another woman that looks like the first woman he met, so it's a little bit of a, you know, one of like Shakespeare's comedy of errors kind of thing, except more from a dramatic standpoint. Um, and one of the women dies, and then the spirit of the other woman goes in, and it, so it's it's dealing with ghosts and spirits and, and things of this nature, and people, and, and basically identical twins in some cases. Um, so that play or that uh, Chinese opera, that Cantonese, I guess it'd be Beijing opera in this case because they're speaking uh, Putonghua, um, but it's sort of a modern variation, of a modern dramatic variation, is sort of the central piece of what the characters are focused on in this film. Um, because you have two characters, uh, Shan Yu and Xu Qi, who are playing, one's playing, or they're both playing actors who are performing in these roles. Um, with a with a troupe, um, of, um, a somewhat high-end troupe from what it looks like. So it's not like a more traditional Cantonese opera troupe that tours around with the bamboo stage. This is more of a troupe that goes into high-end cultural centers and performs. Um, so Xu Qi is playing twins. Uh, she plays twin sisters. Um, the younger sister is named Bo, and that is um, the actress uh, who's also having sort of a somewhat semi-discreet relationship with Sean Yu's character um, played, uh, called Nam. And then her older sister, um, Wei Hong, is also played by Xu Qi, so it's, you know, the twin dragon style camera effects, basically, um, who's attracted to Sean Yu's character, and basically at certain points of the film... Uh, pretends to be Bo, right? So you basically take every movie convention that you've ever seen about twins and then throw in Black Swan and you've got this movie, <laughs> right? Uh, that's what it boils down to after that very lengthy and windy explanation I just gave of it. Um, Xu Qi and Sean Yu are passable in, in their performances. I'm not a huge Sean Yu fan, um, you know, but he does what he needs to do. He sings, you know, he sings some some uh, Chinese opera in a few places here. This film tries to be a thriller, um, but aside from sort of some Soi Chung-style scares, it really doesn't do much in that area. Um, there's a nice moment at the end, um, because the end, just like Black Swan, sort of plays out on stage with the characters playing their roles. And at that point, they have some really nice moments when things come to a head. But by that point, you'll probably be too bored to care because um, getting there just takes a really long time. It, it really had potential. It could have been much smarter if they wouldn't have gone sort of the spooky, scary thriller route. Um, 
you know, and tried to make it a bit smarter and tried to make these characters a bit less of a sort of a stereotype of what you've seen and things like, you know, I'm thinking like Dead Ringers and and <clears throat> just, you know, a lot of other films that dealt with twins and some of the mischief that, and problems that twins have regarding their identity. The other problem is that there's these two characters who come in about 60% into the film. They just kind of show up. And there it's a detective and his sister who's she becomes a detective. You know, it's like the detective's going home and telling his sister about this case, and then she's like, Oh, I can help you. It's my turn. Let me go in and do some investigating now. It's just really weird. But basically they serve as the narration. They serve as the chorus. They just come in and tell you everything that happened. Like the 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 last fifteen minutes is they're they're in a car racing to the theater saying Oh, and they're just physically explaining everything that happened up to that point. And it's just like, really? That is some of the most lazy storytelling I've ever, ever seen. I mean, if you can't tell the story without having a character actually tell us the story, um, I don't know. You're a scriptwriter, Kevin, right? Isn't that like the worst thing you're supposed to do? Well, that's what I learned from certain instructors, but apparently many of my classmates don't listen. But... But if you remember one of the most, essentially the, the, how do I say, one of the most um, textbook examples of a thriller, Psycho, ends of a 15-minute monologue, do you remember? Yeah, I don't know. So, so uh, apparently there's a rule that it depends on preferences. Personally, like, you know, I don't like to turn to a monologue. And this essentially TVB style writing where everything is told to you, where you don't even have to watch the what's on screen to know what's going on. I personally hate that approach. But, um... Yeah, apparently it has become preference yeah. more, well, than, I mean, more, than, more than your rule. This is a film that I guess is expecting. It's got. It looks like it's got a lot of mainland names attached to it. So you kind of know from the get-go there's not going to be any supernatural aspect to it. Right. <clears throat> so it's got these aspects, these thriller aspects tied to it that don't always work. But then just by the end, for them to sit there and explain everything out, um, you know, I've always believed in the show don't tell kind of a you know, of an approach. Um, and it was just, it, it's just so bad that they have to take that approach to do it. But again, it's, it's not a terrible film. It's got some nice moments to it. Um, the, the, the film version I saw was in Cantonese dubbed, but there, because of the stage sequences, because the characters that when they're performing on stage, they're doing, you know, sort of the traditional dialogue that those parts are in Mandarin and that's in sync sound. So you get Shu Chi doing Mandarin, you get Sean Yu doing Mandarin in a couple of places. And I'm wondering if like later on a DVD version, if they'll have just the whole Mandarin section in sync sound. Although there there's I think there's one or two other Hong Kong actors that might not be in sync sound if it's in all Mandarin. Um, but that sounded so much better than the Cantonese. The Cantonese sound like they recorded it in my closet. Um so it really wasn't a good, very good uh, dubbing job, even though it seemed like Sean Yu and Shuchi had done their own Cantonese dubs. So I do give them credit for that. Um, overall, I'd say this is definitely a TV. It, it's not something that you'd need to rush out and watch. Um, if you're a Shuchi fan or if you're interested in films that deal with Chinese opera somehow, this is probably something you'll want to see. Um, otherwise, yeah, I don't know. It's It's... Just basically what I said, you know, every movie convention about twins and Black Swan. 
Hmm. And I mean, it, I'm, seriously, you can simply think about any movies you've seen with twins in it and think about how Black Swan plays out, and this is exactly what you get. Um, you can you can almost picture the scenes yourself. Uh, so yeah, the second woman. This is directed by Carol Lai Moi Shut. Are you familiar with her work, Kevin? She did Floating Landscape. Oh, also, okay. Uh, the Rock of Nineteen. Floating Landscape was the Eakin Karina movie. Eakin Karina. That yeah. was her only respectable movie. Mm. As far as that I'm explains concerned. a lot in terms of really? the pacing and the feeling. Then yeah. okay. Um, so yeah, not not the worst film I've seen all year, but. Not the greatest. East Green, West Green. All right, what do you have for us this week? Because I've been lazy as far as West Green films go. I haven't seen anything for West Green. Uh, but you've seen some stuff, so what are you going to talk about, sir? Yeah, uh, I will be talking about Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. And because the movie really is confusing and non-linear, so I'm going to make my review as confusing and non-linear as possible. Excellent. Um, yes. No, actually, I would just... Um, I'm not familiar with the, with the, with the, with the novels. Uh, John Le Carre, spy novels, all that stuff. I am not familiar with it. Uh, Paul, are you, are you familiar with any John Le Carre? No, I can't say that I am. Okay, so but Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is apparently one of those groundbreaking works uh that that you know changed the genre and so forth um this is uh the latest adaptation before that it was uh, always a tv miniseries um this is the first uh my just round imdb actually this is the first theatrical adaptation of the of the novel uh the film is from tom thomas alfredson uh who was the director of let the right one in um this is his first uh, english language film and um, it is. I would just set up the basics because the whole thing is so dense and it's totally linear. So I'm just gonna put up a, a very basic setup. Um, the film opens with um, the review of a mole um, uh, inside the I think it's MI6. What they they never said MI6 maybe, but the the Secret Service essentially, um, and the 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 agency's uh, head control played by John Hurt um, orders. Um, an agent, Jim Pridos, uh, played by Mark Strong, to go to Hungary to, to hunt down the mole. But uh, he gets killed in the process. So the entire project, the entire um, hunt is scrapped, control is fired, and essentially his right-hand man, uh, Smiley, played by Gary Oldman, is also um, given early retirement from the agency. But a year later, uh, a young spy named Ricky Tarr uh, calls in, essentially the same thing, saying that there's a mole. Uh, planned by Russia um, in in the in the secret in British intelligence, and Smiley is brought back by the the Home Office essentially to to stealthily investigate the mole because they've come up with four suspects: um, Adeline, played by Toby Jones, um, Roy Bland, played by Siren Hines, um, Bill Hayden, played by Colin Firth, and um, Esther Hayes, played by David Danzig. Um, so the so he has to essentially find which one is the mole of these four guys. And doing so, they would have to trace back uh, not only Ricky Tar's story, but how, how Control met, uh, got the got this uh, information in the first place and and so forth. Uh, the, place takes pla- the, the film takes place during the Cold War. So, um, of course, you don't see there not much action because that essentially is intelligence, the intelligence war. Um, many, everything is, is, is um, take place... Um, with documents and and secret code words and it's all very verbal so don't expect much action of this film uh it's a very cal- calculated almost cold i mean have you have you seen let the right one in paul 
Not yet, no. Not yet? Okay, but, but you know, it takes place in, in a very snowy place, obviously. And I think Kenneth, Kenneth would know. I think it takes place in uh, where, where Kenneth is. Um, so, so it's a very cold... That film is a very cold film. And he kind of... Alfredson kind of t- carries that style into this film. It's, uh, like I said, very calculated... It's a very calculated film, even though it has a very dense plot. It is um, told very, um, how do I say, very slowly, very um, deliberate pacing. Um, yes, Swedish. Thank you, thank you, Kenneth. Uh, yes, it's a very cold film, in, in, and, and with its dense plot, it's almost impenetrable because it is so so dense. And so um, the, the people who made it are so clear about the plot that they kind of leave... Um, audience behind you if they're not familiar with the plot. Um, it doesn't really make anything accessible to the audiences because everyone is speaking in code and, and, and of course that's very realistic dialogue because it seems everyone is already in the know. They know what to say. They know uh, what saying certain things mean. So there are many hints dropped but there's never really anything explicit uh, about what's happening. Um, so in a way it, it's very intriguing because you're kind of putting together, piecing together the truth just like Smiley is. Um, but at the same time, if you're left behind, it's also very frustrating to sit through because it gets a little boring in a sense that, in a sense that it kind of goes on its way, but, but doesn't, but doesn't slow down to wait for you. Um, so in that way, I know that the first viewing is going to be tough. I know that I'm not going to like it or I'm not going to, I'm going to have very many problems with it, the first viewing and that. It's the type of film that will grow on you when you watch it again. But of course, the problem is that you have to sit through it the first time. Um, so that's what I'm reserving my opinion for. Um, I am waiting to watch it a second time. So anything I say right now might not count in the future. Um, but of course, I can say right now, <laughs> it's true. It's like uh, it's actually like chunk, like actually Wong Kar Wai movies are like that for me. I know I have to sit through them the first time. And I'm not going to like it. I think, I'm going to think it's slow. I'm going to think it's boring. But then I'm going to watch it again. And then it's going to get really good and get good and better better each time. Just like, you know, 2046. Um, but I can say to, from my first viewing that I know that Gary Oldman is really great. Um, Smiley is, is kind of a very cold character. He doesn't show much emotions. Um, but in that sense, just the way that Gary Oldman carries the character, he has a lot of... Um, has a lot of screen presence and he and he 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 kind of keeps all that everything going on inside his character he kind of keeps it on his eye and you kind of just look at his face um it's all there but not you know what i mean so in that way it's a very massive performance and the rest of the cast is good tom hardy is is good as ricky tar um colin Firth plays uh, uh one of the one of the four suspects uh, and essentially most of the cast uh, almost all the cast is actually uniformly great um, but of course, uh, many of these people did not get enough screen time. Um, for example, John Hurt as Control, he shows up more in the flashbacks um, because he because he doesn't he's not part of the the Mo Hunt, so he doesn't um, he's only given uh, a few scenes, but he he's very good in it. Um, and like I said earlier, I, I can say TV it because not because it's bad or anything, um, because you're gonna have to watch it many times. To, to enjoy the film. So so it's a film where you want to start by owning it and then and then watch it again and again. In fact, I, I might I am thinking about if I can run into it, I'll, I'll probably buy the Blu-ray. Even though I my my gut feeling tells me I don't like the film right now. I know eventually I will it will grow on me, so I will buy the Blu-ray. Mm. So a couple questions. Yes. Uh, does Gary Oldman at any point in the film hang off of a very tall building? 
Is the, that an Alan Rickman thing? Does he? Does he? Does he pull off his face and reveal someone else's face underneath? No, I was I was waiting for him to scream. Everyone. <laughs> does he? Does he have a car that can go underwater? <laughs> does Does he pretend? Yeah. Does he pretend to be dead and then show up and hunt down the Joker? No. Yes. <laughs> He, he, uh, Commissioner Gordon does not does yeah. not make an appearance. No. The East is blue. Wait, what? All right, so uh, you've got a video pick for us this week. Is that right, Kevin? Yes, uh, I'm going to talk about a little Korean movie that I'm getting right now called Sunny. It's um what some of us might call a chick flick, sadly, um, but it's actually a very good chick flick. It's about... Um, it's a parallel storyline. It's about a, a woman, middle-aged woman, who runs into a childhood friend at a hospital. Turns out she is uh, she has a terminal disease and will die soon. So, so um, for her friend, she decides to get her old high school gang back together. And so the flashback shows that um, these girls. So essentially, the main character was the new new girl at school, and she joins this group of girls and get into you know fights with another gang of girls and and um dancing and they, they grew up in the 70s so it's a very um tumultuous period in korean history so um seeing them grow up in this tumultuous time and of course um how they bond as sisters and things like that uh it is some this second film from the director of speedy scandal or scandal makers um that one's a very enjoyable comedy about a, a radio dj who finds out not only does he have a illegitimate daughter but uh, the daughter, illegitimate daughter, has a son, so he's actually a forty-year-old grandfather. Um, but this Sunny, Sunny actually takes that, takes the comedy um, up to a new, new level. It is not only a very funny film; it is also um, a very touching film. Uh, the emotions actually really just work just as well as the comedy, um, and it really does break that chick flick. Um, a negative label and, and and turns into something that's actually a lot more universal than just you know. Gender, gender borders. Um, the reason I'm talking about the film is because it's coming out in here in Hong Kong. Uh, I think next month in April, the Blu-ray is already out. The Korean Blu-ray from CJ Entertainment um, has both the the extended cut and the theatrical cut of the film. The theatrical cut is actually on DVD, and the the extended cuts on Blu-ray. Um, I I saw the film on DVD actually on a DVD copy, so I can't. Uh, but I did peek at the Blu-ray while I was showing it to to my cousin, and and looked very pretty, much prettier than the DVD. The film is is um very well produced. Um, it has a lot of music, very strong music um presence. Yes, the, the title "Sunny" is actually uh, named after the song, the this the seventy song "Sunny." Um, so um, this is a very. It's not only because it's a good film, but because the DVD looks looks beautiful. The Blu-ray looks beautiful. Um, as we can expect from CJ Entertainment Blu-ray, you can buy it off yesasia.com. Let me say it again. Yes, Asia.com. Um, what? And, uh, what is yes, that? Yes, yesasia.com. It is a it is a site that I am not I am kind of affiliated with, only in some minor ways. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's available from there. And if you wanna looking for a cheaper alternative, there will be a Hong Kong version a couple months down the line because a Hong Kong theatrical release is coming. But um, um, as long as it's legal and reasonable. Um, I highly recommend this film and uh, definitely catch it theatrically or on on legal Blu-ray, legal uh, legal DVD, whatever. But yeah, one of the best Korean, one of the best Asian films of 2011, Sunny.
listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Comments. Got a comment this from our last episode um, from Matthew Seidel, currently in the chat room. Shout out to the chat room. Hello, guys. Hello, guys. Um, Matt says, since this is slowly but surely becoming the unofficial podcast of Michael Wong, I wonder if you guys have any thoughts on the new option movies. I mean, there are seven, so they can't be that bad, right? Right? Uh, I've never seen any of the new option films as of yet. Have you seen them, Kevin? I only saw that that one with the Yoda quote. I think that's the second film, isn't it? The first option or whatever option, Yoda option. That's what I call. It. <laughs> but actually, actually, that it's that the Google option. Yeah, but that particular film actually starts off very strong, even though it's a second film. I was told. Uh, I'm gonna double check this, but now, but um, but yeah, that actually starts off quite strongly. It's the one that's the one with Gigi Learn. Um, so if that helps any of you, um, but it that one actually starts it strong. Doesn't help quite, at all. Okay, well, Gigi Learn, Michael Wall. Um, but actually, that one is. Um, uh, let me check. Okay, here we go. First option is the one I saw. Yes, first option. Yes, first option is the one I saw. And actually, the first half is actually quite well developed. Um, the situation is quite well developed. The the team, the camaraderie between the team and the conflicts are good. But the second half is when the villains, the villains, the Caucasian villains are are, are stepping in and. Um, of course, then the Yoda quote comes in and it gets kind of silly. But I think that one is fairly strong. It was nominated for many Hong Kong, uh, quite a few Hong Kong film awards. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen all the other ones. I have new option sitting somewhere on my uh, desk of my. I'm, I'm waiting work. for Twister option. <laughs> Get that yellow piece of lard out of my sight. <laughs> I'm waiting for the for the uh, the latest option movie when Michael Wong plays like a Yoda like um, uh, elderly retired retired SWAT team or SDU member who comes and teach you know Bosco Wong and and Ron Ng to be the next generation of oh wait that's coming on the summer that's TVB series sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I I need to probably get to work on some of those yeah but you know there was a period where they were just like coming out right. Right, to yeah, some of them are um, some are straight to video, and I it's kind of the same thing with Simon Yam now. He's like slowly becoming the new Michael Wong, um, because of the like he's got all these PTU direct to video things, right? Yeah, but that one has like a respectable director behind it. We know that you know Milky Way, Johnny Toe's behind it at least. You know, and those but is to, he? You know, respectable but but is is Johnny Toe behind all the direct to DVD stuff that's been coming? He's producing. He produces them, and he actually gets. Um, and they actually are really interesting works because they have, you know, serious directors like, uh, yeah, Lawrence Lau directing actually the most interesting one about Southeast Asians mm. um, in, in Hong Kong. Um, there's also at least two by Lo Wing Chun who did Hooked on You. So these are actually respectable TV uh, video spinoffs. And yes, Johnny Toe Milky Way produced those, 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 those spinoffs. I guess I'll have to go and give them a look at some point. I mean, it can't be worse than Shadow Guard. No, I don't oh, think wow. anything can be. Wow. <laughs> Watch that over the weekend. Whew. Woo. That was talk about talk about a fleet. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a Re- redefines the term fleet. Told you it was a game changer. Oh man. Game change. That's game change right there. I'd go back and watch. I'd go back and watch uh um Chase Our Love five times over before I'd want to watch Shadow Guard again. Wow. I mean, that, that was really bad. 
That sounds really bad, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. But what are you going to do? I mean, it's got, uh, what's his name? Our buddy attached to it. Bay Logan. Woo! The Bay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, can They can't all be bad. I, I don't know if they're all good, uh, but I'm sure but, that uh, from what some I, are better what than I, others. What I hear, from reputation, the first two are good. The yeah. rest are. At least, you know, you know, Michael Wong got some work, and now he has his own car. I have my own car! So, But not his own helicopter. Well, he has that in Shadow Guard. <laughs> or did That's you forget? That's all he has in Shadow Guard. <laughs> and it looked like he was actually flying that thing. Yes, he was flying that. In fact, they just recorded his dialogue off the mic. Yeah, I think, that, the I think they probably said, hey, Mike, bring your helicopter over and let's film it. He was like, sure. I have my own helicopter. Um... All right. I have my own helicopter. Yeah. <clears throat> Good times. Shadow Guard. Not. Um, so that's going to do it, folks. If you would like to be part of the show, of course, you can write us in. Write in. Go over to the website at www.concast.com. Um, be a part of the conversation. We welcome your comments, your feedback, anything you'd like to leave there. Uh, jump into any of the discussions as you see fit. Ask a question. We'll be happy to address them here on the show. <clears throat> Of course, you can hop over to iTunes as well. If you leave us a five-star review, that helps us out to some extent. Um, but if you don't like aspects of the show, you can also, you know, just uh, leave us a three-star, a two-star, one-star. Tell us what you'd like to see us do differently. Uh, Twitter, you can follow along the show at twitter.com slash concast. Or you can follow me at twitter.com slash foxlore. Or you can t- follow Mr. Ma, who's far more interesting, especially with all these things going on between Weibo and the Hong Kong Film Festival and everything else at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. If you'd like to contact us directly through email, you can do so at gmail. Uh, that is eastscreen at gmail.com. You can even, if you'd like, attach a short audio file, a question, a comment, a short review, and we might just play it here on the show. Uh, Kevin. Yes, sir. Aside from films, anything else going on with you in the coming week? Um, I am writing the Love in the Buff review for Love Hong Kong Film. Uh, but that might not go up for another week or two. Um, I, I am, we are, me and Kozo are negotiating where I will be writing Bulgaria as well because mm-hmm. I am the Pango Chen fanboy, apparently, of the group. Um, otherwise, yeah, just keep following me on Twitter. I haven't thought of what to, or I haven't found any time to write the blog yet. So, um, just keep following me on Twitter, see what's going on. The latest on, on Vini and Donnie, um, whether Shuchi would come back to Weibo, um, um, the next big Chinese cinema fallout, um, and me whining about um, bad projection at cinemas. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's all coming up. So you can look forward to all that. Of course, you can always catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, your Web OS. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. You can find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio. It's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support of our little show. Additional thanks to Rob Gowers of Schnauzer Studios for our theme, Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com for doing things like the 80s poll and uh, all the other stuff that he does. Uh, The K-Man for sticking with me now for 104 episodes. And of course, you, the listeners, uh, next episode, 105, Love in the Buff. Anything else? Might cover. The Maybe the and, Hunger uh, Games. I think we'll, we'll probably have to get on and 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 talk about that uh, since and that's possibly doing so Scott's well. latest. Scott's latest love actually. Oh sucks. no, sorry. You, you, that that's that'll be all you, bud. Love actually <laughs> sucks. Also, actually sucks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 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 you, I, I leave all up? all Scud reviews firmly in your territory. Oh um, dear. 
Um, also coming out actually, The Gray, starring uh, Liam Neeson. Ah, yes, Liam Neeson. Uh, Another film it's... where Liam Neeson gets pissed off and kills people. Right? That's all. No, apparently he kills a wolf, but apparently it's <laughs> nothing like, which is perfect because you know wolf and this week. But yeah, apparently it's more like I've been told it's more like alive with wolves, mm, more than yeah. uh, more than Taken with wolves. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's it has wolf. And Taken, um, you know, they took his daughter, and this one they took his meat. I'm <laughs> going to come and get your meat. And also we have a Wrath of the Titans. Are you going to go and catch that? Ah, yes. Wrath of the Titans. I would rather not. <laughs> I will, do, I will definitely of... be catching that laugh fest. I'm sure yes. it's going to be fun. Because otherwise um, it will be Wrath of the Podcast. So <laughs> it already is, right? Yes. Uh, all right. So all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen. Wishing you good viewing. And we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Sweet.